um, I'll stop here. It's almost 45 minutes. And invite any questions or any experiences of anyone. Good morning, sir. Uh, some of the techniques to, you know, to overcome the anger, like uh, counting the numbers, reverse, then drinking the water, so many techniques I used to hear. So what is your comments? Yes, so as I was saying that, yes, there are plenty of techniques. Simplest is observing the breath because the most readily available and breath also serves as a uh, feedback. You see, because of the interconnectedness of the bodily systems, when the amygdala releases signals to the hypothalamus and adrenaline is secreted, your um, daughter who is a doctor in the making will be able to tell you much better. <laughs> so, uh, because of that, everything becomes chaotic, the heartbeat and the breathing. Now, when we work on the breath, now what is happening is we are activating the parasympathetic system and there is a reverse signal going that all is well. We can also repeat a suggestion that all is well. You know, it, deep breathing, we can ask the heart literally that be quiet, there is nothing to feel threatened about. So these are uh, not just counting backward, but this way. Now counting backward or forward helps in the sense that we allow the force of anger to die down. You know, we don't act under the impulsion. So if we make it a habit that, okay, I'm, I don't know, 20 will help or not. What I had read long back was, count up to 20. But I know that even 100 may be not sufficient. So I don't advise this, <laughs> you know. Uh, and after a while, one forgets the counting. See, it clouds the consciousness. <laughs> Who is going to count when you are having anger? You are seething with it. You will say, hell with the counting, let me just, you know, attack. You know, it feels threatened, thwarted. See, anger is a deformation of a vital force. And the reason why it happens is because the vital is weak. If there is a strong vital, it can contain this energy. But when the vital is weak, people think that, you know, anger and violence is a sign of strength. It's just the opposite. It's a vital energy which enters the system which is weak. So, it must discharge itself. So people who are readily angry, quick to anger, they have a vital weakness. And how do you strengthen the vital? So the way is sports. That is the way the vital becomes strong. And you know, wideness. So generous vital, wide vital, bringing wideness, strength, peace of the divine into the vital by, you know, one can do it through imagery or simply by the act of calling. One becomes, all, both these things, um, the... Uh, excessive lust and anger. They are, and besides, they are all cousins. Uh, my own observation has been that whenever there is an, uh, you know, sexual activity, there is an inconscient um, state. And uh, next day, I don't know, this is an observation I made um, some time back, and I saw that there is a proneness to anger. Strange. Apparently, it is supposed to be a pleasurable thing, make you feel happy. But it was, the effect was just the opposite. Um, the peace and calm which normally I would have, I would see that for a day it's like uh, I'm a bit irritable, more prone to, you know, it, 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 it would not get, you know, manifested because I would see it inside me and, and very accurate observation, not that it's a bias that, oh, it, you're supposed to, but it used to come and then I realized that they are interconnected. Ambition and anger are interconnected. So all these things are very closely interconnected. So, it's a whole field of energy which is, um, you know, dark and chaotic, uh, very turbulent zone and they are very close to each other, cousins. So, we have to just bring peace into this whole space 
if we just work on anger not on ambition not on sexuality he is bound to come there that's why they are called as the band of enemies of the soul shobindo uses the word in synthesis um, and very beautifully he says some people think of sacrifice as self mortification he says no that is not the way the krishna within us has to be cherished and fostered but what we have to reject is the band of spirits enemies whose names are lust and greed and anger and they are band of spirits enemies so when we experience the peace then we know how they you know when we begin to cherish i think what happens is that we don't really value that inner state um i am talking of those who have acquired it otherwise we don't know uh, if uh, before that one is distracted into these paths of anger ambition then it's really bad because one has not known what it is but if you have once tasted this inner truth this peace this calm this joy that comes spontaneously this state of well being health everything from the psychic source then you see it as a contrast and you feel why why should i eat this bitter poison fruit <laughs> when there is real rasgulla all the time at my disposal so the real remedy is trying for that rasgulla which is inside once we taste that honey you know that's why the psychic essence is also called as honey so the soul is called as eater of the honey in the lotus so when we eat that honey then you know we won't like taste of anything else that's how the gita gives us the final solution param drashtva one who has tasted or seen in some way the divine he knows the difference it's a big contrast so the first step should be instead of fighting with these things to find the psychic self within and when that happens then it becomes very easy because there is a big contrast and slowly this becomes stronger this becomes weaker but that happens when we value this i think it's a fundamental insincerity as the mother puts it where we are valuing everything except this for which we have you know come in the ashram and auroville context and those who have taken to yoga definitely it can be said that if we really really value the divine and that which we are seeking then we will uh, spontaneously begin to uh, stay away or try something or try to reject because we value it and when we have tested then we know its value then we know its value is far greater than what even our mind thought see for the mind psychic being is a concept the divine is very nice out there uh, impersonal personal scholarly discussions debates and uh, what is it called seminars and conferences but the day one gets one touch of it one knows what it is much greater than the mind had ever thought or imagined why would one want to lose it so the real remedy is uh, shri ramakrishna also used to say that you know uh, when you have tasted rajbhog you know what is rajbhog is that lovely sweet um, let me not give a graphic description <laughs> so says once you taste it then the ordinary jaggery sweet you can't find it tasty that is the real solution uh, mechanical ways are all right and uh, for many people because many people are not taken to yoga and we can't force people into yoga you have to have a call for yoga otherwise that's another problem <laughs> pushing people into yoga uh, so up, up till then you have to do something about it so sports exercise breathing exercises uh, mindful meditation and things like that counting uh, one to whatever infinity 
um, playing music. <laughs> it doesn't work to 20. I'm really saying this because I've tried it. <laughs> so, um, fortunately, by the grace, not very anger prone, but uh, even that milder version, I saw 20 doesn't work. So, I used to feel very humorous. Uh, amused inside that you know it's written there nobody has tried it that's why I'm sharing it on a very personal note but that reminds me one antidote to uh, anger is humor even in human relationships you know uh, humor can just um, diffuse anger and classic example one of them is Shurabindo so (laughs) you know once when um, uh, Mridu used to make um, uh, nice luchi is for Shurabindo. She was uh, one of the most, uh, you know, unspeakable sadhikas, easily prone to anger. And this is a very interesting and very stubborn. And um, this is a very interesting uh, aside to her story that when she left her body, uh, mother saw Shurabindo's symbol on, on her forehead. And she asked Shurabindo, and Shurabindo was saying that, Henceforth, anybody dying here will not go to death but come to me. And mother spontaneously says, even she? So you can imagine the kind of, even she? And he says, yes, unconditional. It does not depend upon the state of consciousness of the person. What a, you know, and then mother reminds her, what a tremendous power. What a tremendous power. He says, yes. Now, this is an aside. This is just to say what kind of a anger prone person. So once he sent luchis to Shurabindo and uh, you know Shurabindo is very often he would just taste and rest will go to many of the people. So that day he didn't taste. He was in his own you know <laughs> work. I wouldn't say world. He was always connected with this world. He is always connected. So uh, there are always people who don't know what to speak and when to speak and they create chaos in the world. So it's very important to stay away from these people. They will come and tell you, you know, so and so, what he was telling about you. First ask, is it something pleasant? If he says no, then please don't tell me. Why are you telling me? (laughs) Don't be a messenger of death. But there are people you will see. Stay away from the company of such people who come and they take a lot of vicious interest. It's almost like I wanted to say this to you. I couldn't. So I am saying this in the name of someone. And in the ashram we learn that don't even... uh, Say passingly when in casual discussion somebody is criticizing someone and you passingly mention something, it will be distorted and go back to the other person added multiple times. So, you know, one has to be so careful. So, there was someone who goes and tells this lady, Mridu, you know Mridu, Shiobindu didn't eat your, take your luchis today. Now, Mridu is quick to rage and she writes a letter, I am committing suicide because, you know, (laughs) What's the use of living if you can't eat my luchis? So, uh, Shurabindo first of all told these people, you should be little more discreet about <laughs> what you should speak and what you shouldn't speak. You know, speech is the cause of so much problem between human beings. I don't think it was meant to be a bridge, but I think silence is a better bridge. When two people speak, they are sure to end up fighting. You know? <laughs> so, when they say, you know, that... Uh, uh, if people can stay together in silence, that's a sign of true friendship. Uh, I put it like this, true friendship can only stay in silence. <laughs> when you speak, you will end up speaking something unspeakable. So nevertheless, uh, Shobindo writes a letter and sends her, Mridu, if you will come, he doesn't give a lecture. You know, it is so dangerous. How dare you think like this? In the ashram, doing yoga, you think of suicide, nothing. Uh, 
He says, Mridu, if you commit suicide, who will make such nice luchis for me? <laughs> what will happen? She is completely changed. So you know, when this is a lesson, many of Shurabindu and the mother's small little tidbits are a lesson in management. When people do something, we can take it humorously. For instance, one of the um, uh, humorous asides in a uh, married relationship which we learnt as as uh, in india i'm sure you must be also must have heard it that when the when the lady gets angry she is prone to anger because she is kali and durga no so one of the things i suggest is that uh, many forms of divine mother this is the most intense form so bow down and say mother kali pranam to you don't fight that time she will destroy you for sure if you take her head on be sure she is kali at that time uh, the other way is uh, very simply that, oh, you look so beautiful when you are angry. Must have heard about this phrase. If you can say it in all earnestness, I tell you the anger will dissipate. It won't last long. <laughs> the person trying to be angry will again begin to smile because this is like a counter feedback. That I appreciate you. I appreciate your beauty. You are angry today but doesn't mean, but what do we normally say? Oh, you have ruined my life. Oh, you are always like this. You, you are an angry woman. This is what we do, you know, which is... Uh, we have to just unlearn these patterns and relearn. That's all that is required. We have to do a lot of unlearning. These patterns come into us simply as we grow up. Sometimes we see the world around us. Sometimes we see parents. Sometimes it's in the genes. Uh, well, it's all there. Uh, sometimes society teaches us to be aggressive. It teaches us to be assertive, but we mistake assertiveness for aggressiveness. Assertiveness is all right. You know, everybody needs to express what they are. But aggressiveness means I want to impose myself on others. That's not correct. So it's a relearning, rewiring, retraining. Call it um, uh, neuroleptic reprogramming, <laughs> technical word nowadays. But it's a relearning and rewiring of our uh, you know, nervous system and the brain. That is the ultimate remedy. Temporary things don't help much except temporarily. And if anger is too much, they will, it will devastate. It will break the flood, kids. Yes, please. Good morning. Yeah, good. You mentioned, this, you mentioned at the beginning that anger is not an emotion, that it's a physical reaction. But often the anger is mixed with other emotions yes. like sadness, disappointment, frustration, you mentioned. You also gave the example of Shurabindo's father. Did he die of yeah. rage or did he die of sadness? Yes. So that's what uh, it gets mixed up with many things in the human being making it complicated. If in the animal it is not mixed with emotion. You see, um, anger, is, if we call, use the word rage, it actually starts with the reptilian brain. Uh, cobras, they are the prototype, you know, because the, the other serpents, though... Black Memba is known to be aggressive. But otherwise, if you see, in, even in the serpent kingdom, they experience fear rather than rage. We attribute uh, these things to them, but they don't experience rage except the cobra because of a prototype brain which develops and it reacts. So cobra, even from a distance, if it sees you, it will first hiss and then it will raise the hood. It's a self-preservative instinct. It's not connected with emotion. A cobra is not feeling emotions for anybody except Lord Shiva. And maybe, you know, I don't know those who love Lord Shiva. <laughs> but it, it's like, it's just the way it is. You step on a snake's foot, it bites. Uh, but it does experience um, all these 
release of uh, hormones and chemicals because it has to act fast. That's why it's swift. Uh, even in many of these higher animals, uh, I've actually seen in uh, Masai Mara, um, a cheetah killing a deer. Uh, you know, they take you around in those safaris and uh, it's very rare to spot it. It just happened. What struck me was that the cheetah was so calm. Uh, you know, we were standing there, he was looking at us as if giving a pose with that gazelle in its mouth. Then again, after a while, he says, these human beings are as stupid as ever and started eating. Let them not disturb me. But so calm. There was nothing like, you know, uh, that's why Shubhindu says, when a tiger kills a deer, we don't call it evil. Because it doesn't question, it's, it's something instinctive. But if a man does it, then we question. So that's how the sense of sin comes. So in human beings, it's a terrible mixture inside. Emotions, thoughts, sense of guilt. If you get angry, you feel guilty. If you don't get angry, you suffer. Indignation, righteous wrath in the name of God. You know, spiritual self-righteousness. Uh, my idealism is the only good ideal. All those who don't follow my way of life are worth condemning. So all these are very dangerous things because in human beings, it gets terribly mixed. And we have to extricate these strands of nature one by one. That's a long process. And yes, when it gets mixed with emotion, because emotion is the powerhouse of any action. That's why in the Gita it said, action should be done uh, under the wisdom, with knowledge. But what is the motive of action? It is love. So in an action, if the motive is not love, then we may say it is an offering, but actually it is not. So... Emotions are powerful motive forces. You know, wars have been fought for love. You know, that famous Ilion you must have read. Now, look at the paradox. It looks like anger and rage and everything. War is an extreme manifestation. But what does Priam say when in the assembly everybody he calls and he says, should we fight or not fight? Everybody balances, weighs the option, so on and so forth. Then he calls Helen before he has to decide. And asks her only one question. Tell me, do you still love my son? <laughs> she says, yes. He says, then there will be war. And he says that this will be a war fought for the sake of love. Now look at the paradox of the whole thing. Now, when love gets mixed up with something like anger, it can be so devastating. Same thing we see in, in Achilles' life. In his life, later on, compassion gets mixed up. Otherwise, he's a killing machine. Because um, Priam has refused to give the hand of his daughter to Achilles. He's enraged and he fills sticks with blood. You, you read it, you know, gory picture. Why? Because uh, he has not um, considered to my demand. So when it gets mixed with these things, it's much more larger and devastating in scale, you know, than when... So we should learn to keep it in its place. It's a reaction instinctive. Sometimes, some people say it can serve a little purpose. Perhaps it may, you know, but not anger as experience, but sometimes what is called as a show of anger. You know, there is a story of Sri Ramakrishna where uh, he gave a story of a sadhu passing through a village and there was a snake who used to scare all the children. So sadhu had this ability to communicate with the uh, animal kind. And he asked the serpent, why are you scaring all the children? He said, I don't know, that's the only thing I know. So, you tell me what should I do? So, he communicated that, don't do that, you know, you should be quiet. You don't have to scare the children. He says, alright, I will not do it. 
So after one year when he came by, he saw that all the children are playing near the uh, snake and throwing stones at the snake and the snake is crying in the bushes. So he asked, what happened to you? He says that you told me not to bite. So I don't bite them anymore. Now they are not scared of me. So they throw stones. So he says, I told you not to bite, but I didn't tell you not to hiss. So you know, that's what I was saying, the difference between assertiveness and aggressiveness. Sometimes it's necessary to tell a person, look, stay off, you know. Obviously you have to be strong. In fact, strong people don't experience anger, but they are very strong in when they say no. There are situations when, you know, not experiencing anger doesn't mean a weakness where we concede to everything. So you have to say no, you have to say that, you know, these are my limits and boundaries. I don't uh, appreciate it, I don't accept it. speak out, you know, the mind, but let not anger be mixed into it. That little surgery has to be done. As human beings, we need to separate. But in the brain, it's mixed up because there are pathways which have, which connect with everything else. That's the problem. Then you will see that anger becomes uh, much more manageable because it's in its place. Uh, I'm not saying spiritually it has to be completely go. It is the deformation not only of a vital energy, but in its origin. It is the deformation of the Rodra forces which act in the world and create destruction. They have a place. Much destruction even of the old world is by these forces. And in human beings when they enter a small channel through the vital door with ego and desire, they become completely deformed. So um, anger like even uh, the sexual urge is not, it will not be completely, it will not be destroyed because there is behind it a divine principle. It will be transformed. Shubhindu speaks of that in the synthesis and later writings that uh, the the sexual instinct gets transformed into sweetness and the anger gets transformed into radra. So he uses the word radra and somya. So that radra, if one expresses, it's not with anger. It's an energy of a very pure kind which sees the truth and then when it goes it can, you know, Shobindo used that power in the second world war. It was necessary but it was completely without anger. That's why you see um, the place where um, we see so many times Sri Krishna is speaking of ahinsa and uh, you know inner state, calm inside, self-control, be free of anger. Where is he speaking? In the context of war. Look at the irony of it. He is saying, making it very clear, you can fight the battle, but fight it without these things. Then it becomes fine, because this is a battle which has to be fought for the sake of dharma. So justice changes into dharma. No more justice as human mind conceives it. Our idea of justice is something legal, but dharma is very different. Another example of this is, uh, you know, um, in Rama's story, he kills Ravana. Now, it's not just because it's his wife and I must get back my wife. He makes it abundantly clear that it's because of dharma. He is a king and he must protect the dharma. But look at the absence of hatred and anger of any kind inside him. The moment Ravana falls, so Lakshmana says, what next? He says, go and take uh, some knowledge from him. So Lakshmana says, what do you mean? He says, no, he is a pandit. He knows many things. He knows how to govern the kingdom. I am yet a prince. I have never governed. You get the knowledge from him, you learn a lot. So, Lakshmana goes and you know he is Seshna prone to he listens to Rama but you know he is not fully convinced he goes there and stands at Ravana's head and says okay speak some you know, I believe you know some good things but Ravana doesn't speak so he goes back to his brother and says no no he is not telling anything he says because you are doing something which is not correct 
He says, what do you mean? He says, when you want to get knowledge, you don't stand at the head of the person. You stand at the feet and ask for knowledge. So then he stands there and says, pray tell me what is the way to govern a kingdom. See, Ravana kept his kingdom subjects very well. Except when they opposed him. That was the only time he kicked them out. Otherwise, it was a very well-maintained place. Uh, it was all golden. So, we can learn from everybody. The feeling of enmity, hatred, anger, indignation, which we carry through, it should not be there. There are times when we need to say stop. There are times when we need to say this is adharma. And I don't participate in it. Even point out. It's, it's necessary in this world where we live in. Uh, but it should be done without this sense of, you know, something burning at the heart. And if people don't stand against the dharma, it's not a right thing. You know, at least those who are aware of it. But it should be done without indignation, without wrath. Much more difficult thing we are being asked to do than simply to say, just close your eyes and sit in meditation. So this is the way of the Gita. Remove it from emotion, change this energy long process that's why one doesn't normally speak of it but under by constant offering to the divine it does change into something like a rodra force where um, it can have very serious consequences that's why some of these rishis when they cursed uh, but always behind the curse it turned out to be a boon that's the other side of the story but it came to be true now curse is not ill will curse was always moved by the sense of dharma and adharma, something which the rishi perceives as a dharma and it brought out, came out. We have to go beyond it, no doubt about it, but we need to understand the mechanism. Whereas ill will is something very dark and dangerous. It is moved by selfish motives. You did this to me, therefore I am going to do that to you. So these are very subtle psychological distinctions which we need to know because after all we are on, on a path which is increasingly subtle where there is a play of immense occult forces and a trenchant do or don't do doesn't always apply. So the next time someone says the phrase righteous anger, I can laugh, yes? Uh, yes, that's a very good thing you said. There are two, two aspects to it. People often quote, um, you know, sure been those two sentences I'll tell you, two actual experiences. Now, you know, it's true that righteous anger, uh, when somebody says with a sense of righteousness, I am somebody special and high, and that person is low, it is dangerous. And mother speaks of it in the agenda. There is a whole conversation <coughs> where Satprem speaks about, you know, righteousness and sense of righteousness where I feel I am special person and I am condemning someone is not a good thing. You know, the same Christ story. But there is another side to it. Both in Mother and Shobindo's conversation. Once Amal Kiran experiences a burning in the heart because somebody has written something about Shobindo in a book. Actually, it is um, there in Amal Kiran's book, Past, Present, Future, just to give the correct reference. So he says, I felt a burning in the heart like a sword of flame. And it kept on burning and I couldn't help but it was going directly, directed towards the book as if it's destroying it. So what is it? So the mother says, it's the flame of truth which was burning to destroy what is false. Another instance was very interesting and that is about Dilip Kumar Roy. It's again there in correspondence of Dilip Kumar Roy with Sri Aurobindo. We may not find it in the letters because in letters the question is not there. 
So Dilip Kumar Roy gives an experience, you know, he was prone to doubts and all these revolts. He says, you know, Guru, what happened? Harin, you know, Harin, the, he used to be, he was a famous poet and Shrivinder spoke highly of him, but he couldn't stay ultimately in the ashram and left and went away. So he says, and he was a very good friend of Dilip. So uh, Harin has gone away and he has uh, said that, you know, I am very happy after I have come back. And he wrote, made some disparaging comments about Shurabindo. When Dilip Kumar Roy comes to know of it, he says, I felt, he has used the word, a kind of a righteous anger. This is the word he uses. And I, I felt, I must write to him. What is it you have done? And he actually writes a letter and sends it. He says, but you know, Guru, what happened? After that, all my doubts and revolts vanished. How can it be? And then he gives his own explanation that the divine can use anything. So was it that the divine used a lower tendency like anger in me to throw away these things? He said, the hostiles, referring to Harin's uh, remarks, disparaging remarks. He says, you know, the hostiles do not go if you are very gentle with them. But sometimes, Shubhindo's words say, fit of righteous wrath throws them far away and sends them packing up. Original words. So, you know, it, there are no clear-cut do's and don'ts. One has to see whether it's being motivated by any selfish interest or uh, feeling of superiority. That's dangerous. Oh, this fellow, he is nobody. I am somebody very special. That is dangerous because it's egoistic motivation. But sometimes there is this clear-cut adharma and you feel that sense and you uh, move in that direction. It's perfectly fine. What I have understood from their writings and uh, I gave you specific instances, quoting from the places so that, uh, you know, we, we, it's not like my view. Uh, even Sahanadi's letter is there when she asks the same thing. Again, the third context is also similar. Uh, Sahanadi says that somebody said something about you and I felt very angry. So, what should I do? Because the Gita speaks of equanimity. And there is a beautiful letter of Sri where he says, No doubt, hatred and cursing are not the right thing to do. And a state of peace and equanimity is very good. But then he goes on to say, But at the same time, the Gita which stresses on peace and equanimity also says at the same time that, Oh Arjuna, lift up the bow and fight. So, if this kind of equality is justified, this is also possible. And then he says at the end that I am treating this question as a general view. It is, this um, letter is available in collected works of Sri but also in Sahanadi's book, which now is not available. Uh, maybe if you can lay hold of the old copy, it's an amazing book. Uh, I think it is, um, anyone remembers the name? 40 years, I think it's 40 years since, something like that. Very beautiful book, where these practical things, where C has asked. So, uh, I suppose when mother says righteous anger, she is saying with a sense of righteousness, that state, that I am somebody Mr. Right and you are somebody Mr. Wrong and I condemn you, you go to hell. Like, you know, medieval times people used to condemn people, stone people and, uh, uh, you know, um, uh, you know, cut, punish others when they harbored the sin inside. That is obviously, very obviously it's a falsehood. But sometimes... Dharma may demand this and one has to draw. It's in sincerity that one can know. Actually in yoga it's impossible to give a clear cut do and don't. That also Shivindo writes very clearly. Um, now these are of course we are talking about the subtler and more detailed movements of yoga. So.
it may be possible yes but we don't actually use the word anger with that it's something very different very powerful and it doesn't leave you with any sense of hatred it's something very powerful profound from the depths in fact it leaves you even a kind of joy and a state of strength that's a different thing anger is a weakness so when people express anger they end up feeling exhausted yes please i'm wondering um, how you would make the difference in the daily life between practicing the equanimity and like making the difference when it's actually uh, repressing the emotions or the anger Yes, so that's the difference that repression is an unconscious mechanism. Actually, repression word is very little strange because people who repress are not aware. That's the paradox. So uh, they are very calm outwardly, but they have held back many things. They're not conscious. The moment you are conscious, is no more repression. That's one part of it. Uh, we may use the word suppression, or we may take it to next level, which is equanimity. Suppression is I will not express this in speech. I'm I know what I am feeling inside. I'm aware. So the moment we are aware, it's no more repression. Repression is an unconscious mechanism. Now I may hold it back. that look i'll sit over it but i'll not speak under this impulsion it will start like that naturally but slowly we have to start with equanimity equanimity means i look inside it can start with the rational mind and you know we see that well the person criticized me so i got angry and then we look at it that well i am supposed to get over my ego that's my task here maybe the person is helping me to see my weak point so you know we can start doing like that or we can take it with a stoic indifference okay so what people say they say 100 things how do opinions matter you know that's one of the things which today's youth know very well that you know i don't want to be driven by everybody's opinion so we don't have to react at what everybody says or thinks or you know about me i must find my own way or it can be with a philosophical indifference philosophical indifference is that such is the nature of life people are like that the world is full of these kind of people who will um uh, not leave you free they will you know make sure that <laughs> they put the triggers spark somewhere uh, because that's how animal life you know has been and you know it it's there in all around we swallow that poison so well that's the nature of earthly life and we don't react knowing such is the nature so we don't condemn anyone but we disengage ourselves for the mystic the method is to take refuge in the divine uh, mother x or y or z everybody thinks like this of me i may think like this about me but you know what i am and what i want to be and take refuge in her arms in her lap that is the mystic way uh, so whichever way and as the bhakti grows one of the best antidote to anger is to bring in true love and it could be true love to a human being to love one human being uh, okay it's a more difficult part to love an animal without expectations <laughs> yeah it's most difficult to love human beings because of the ego veil it's much easier to see divine in everybody except when it comes to man <laughs> so but no, we have to practice it so uh, to live in that state that well divine dwells in everyone and when i hurt or injure somebody it's i'm increasing the burden of the divine so when you love someone why would you do that and if you can practice uh, impersonal love without expectation Uh, then the power of love grows in us this there in mother's volume 8 page 308 very uh, interestingly she describes and when this power of love grows true love 
then it brings beatitude and happiness. You don't have to turn it towards the divine straight away. This is the first step. Then when you turn to divine, then of course it works wonders because uh, the whole emotions undergo a change. They become full of sweetness and light and radiance. Uh, they are one with the divine love. But we must remember, since you spoke about that, you know, again that righteous anger, divine love can devastatingly destroy. You know, who is the divine love representative in among the four goddesses? It is Mahakali. Intense, passionate love. Divine love is, that's why people who are moved by that kind of bhakti can sometimes, you know, they can feel like that. So, but nevertheless, when we open to the divine love, eventually it fills our heart with uh, sweetness. Mahalakshmi love is like that. It prepares us. So first Mahalakshmi is love. Full of sweetness and nice, beautiful thing. Love for beauty is a very good antidote for anger. In fact, these forces cannot be where there is refinement and good aesthetics. So it's, these are some of the things. Okay? Is it like, am I making sense? So in practical life. So surround yourself with beauty. Sometimes good to keep these thoughts around like equanimity practice. So uh, one year I had just put it like, I, this is my year for equanimity. Like they have, you know, friendship day and father's day and mother's day. So <laughs> yoga day. <laughs> we should have equanimity year. It should be personal. It can't be like, you know, done for everyone. So one year I had put equanimity everywhere. Something written all on cupboards. From today... Till the end, I am going to practice only equanimity. A lot of opportunities came. I realized so many things were happening around. Then, then it extends. It's not like, you know, it's over. So, then slowly you see that from the macro events, you go on to micro events. You begin to observe the little tremor inside. So, you know, that's how it, it expands its base. Uh, and at all the three levels, physical level equanimity to the changing weather all around, you know. Then vital equanimity, praise or blame. If people praise you, be, stay careful and little bit stay away from people who praise you. Especially if you are in a position of power, please follow this advice. And if people blame you, it's good to keep them little bit nearby. You know, they will make sure you are on track. So when divine wants us to progress... Seriously, he ties us to somebody who will always criticize us. Observe it, you will see it. And it's very good means to progress. So, so, you know, the whole value changes because you want equanimity. So, it's an opportunity. As I said, it's a question of what we value. So, everyday life becomes an opportunity to either react this way or to call in equanimity. Uh, it means stepping back before we react. Oh, weather is bad and normally we end up saying, oh, it's so hot, so sultry. Oh, you know, no. then somebody says, no, it's not only Pondicherry, you know, there is a heat wave going on in Europe. So you take some comfort. Now, you know, that's not the way. It's okay. Heat and cold is not my goal. It's all right. If heat is there, fine, it's a blessing. <laughs> well, <laughs> if cold is there, it's a blessing, of course. If rain, it's a blessing to take everything as a gift of grace. That's the, uh, I feel the most perfect way that whatever you give me, I receive from you. If you give me uh, nice weather, thank you, Ma. If you don't give me uh, what is called as unpleasant weather, that also thank you, Mother, um, for your kindness, for making me strong. When adverse things are around, it means we have to grow strong. Yes. 
Yes. Uh, Agni in general is not true fire but fire. Uh, so we'll come to Agni just one moment. I just want to complete that part uh, on equanimity. And um, you know in ashram context there was on 2nd December often you know sometimes rain comes. So people used to pray let the rain not come. Once when they prayed the rain gods came to mother and said this is not fair. We also must have our play. She said yes you have your play. She said, but your children are praying to me. He said, no, you can rain. He said, okay, let me see how your children behave when I rain. So there was rain. Even though they prayed, it didn't work. But people did the program very well. So when they came, mother said, Tribhya, very nice, you know, because you took it like a grace. So, you know, instead of praying for those little inconveniences of life, we need to pray for the grace and uh, growth of consciousness. Now, Agni literally, actually the word comes from the root Ag. Ag means to move forward. So, Agni is the power in us that helps us to move forward. So, all urge for progress comes from Agni. You know, that's why even in Hindi there is a word, Age, 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 you may have heard here. You know, here people may not use, but Age Jao, in North India you'll have the word. Age Bado. So, go ahead, go ahead, go forward. So, Agni is that energy in us. And which is that energy in us which is helping people to move forward? It is the divine will. Mother has even used the word divine grace which comes to make us move forward and press towards the heights. Now, in ignorance, it takes the form of progress outwardly. It doesn't matter. That's also okay. That also comes from Agni. We we experience this Agni when we are full of enthusiasm to do things, new things, creative things. When Agni is low... Like a simple state of tamas can, you know, diminish this fire. So that time somebody comes and says, let's do something creative. Say, oh, leave it today, you know, I'm, I don't think I am up to it. And that's why in depression you will see this Agni becomes veiled and covered. So there is no faith, no urge. So when we give advice to a depressed person, you know, you must be active. He'll feel worse because he says, I know it. Hundred more people before you has told me. You are the hundred first person. But I can't do it. Why? Because this veil has come over, clouding done by these forces. They veil the Agni. Now if Agni is very strong, it will tear and come out. Like the Vedic story of, you know, Agni tearing the veils of the Asura and emerging forth. But if it is still a teeny weeny spark, it gets buried. So this is how Agni has to be seen. Leaving aside the image of the fire, physical fire is only a symbol of that. Because it's constantly and because it urges things to move forward and progress, it automatically purifies. Things can't go up. You can't if you stay static. So it helps people to move and thereby it keeps on purifying, purifying, purifying till finally the most powerful uh, fire which uh, removes all the dross and uplifts the whole being. Now this Agni is, has three homes. One is in matter. It's given. It's there in the atom. It's there in the plant, it's there in the stone, it's there in the mineral, it's there in human beings, of course, in the bird and beast. So that's why there is always a something within us which takes the challenges and can move past. Even the river can take the challenges, asteroids, everything. There, this Agni burns in matter. So in man it burns at the base of the spine. So those who practice Kundalini Yoga try to awaken this Agni from the base of spine, very mechanically. And if you see... In India, there is a tradition of the nine forms of Durga. If you see their names, they are all relating to Durga from the most material energy 
to the most spiritual. She starts as, you know, Shail Bala, the daughter of the mountains, which is material energy. And she ends up as Siddhidatri, the giver of perfection. So if you go through that whole process, you see Kundalini Yoga is based on that. Then there is Vashwanar, Agni in the mid-worlds. It burns the vital with the urge to move forward. It burns the mind with splendor of new thoughts. It burns even the body to take on the challenges and adapt to it. But Agni is where your own home is the supramental. So ultimately, that's where we find the purest form of Agni, the original fuel. That's why Shubindo urges us to move towards that and receive a touch of that. So when the Divine Mother touches us, lights the spark, it is the true Agni which she ignites inside us. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Yes, yes, absolutely. Yes. Yeah, yeah. In Russian in Russian it is uh, the word for fire is agun. You know, it's because ultimately uh, you know through sounds it emerges like that. There are many common roots. So absolutely true. It's move forward. Actually even in human beings, how it changes into anger is actually this vital force which wants its object. If it changes into the true consciousness force from which it has come, then you don't have to do anything. The pressure of the force will achieve the object. It is one of the um, siddhis which comes in yogis and there is a st- stage of development when whatever they wish they, it comes. Actually, it comes to them. They don't have to do anything because the pressure of this consciousness force achieves it. But when it is not so changed, then this vital energy changes into aggression actually. Because it wants an object and it wants to take it by force. When just the pressure of the force doesn't achieve it, then it changes into anger. But aggression is a more general word. And Yes, absolutely. So, uh, maybe yeah. we can stop here. Thank you so much. So thank you, Alok. Uh, for any further topics you would like to discuss in the frame of this uh, talk, please revert to us, and uh, we will discuss uh, with Alok. We try to to make regular uh, talk like that. Thank you. Thank you all. Thank you.